All right. Thanks again, coaches, for listening. Uh, real honor for me today to bring in John Oxton from Lakeville North, someone that was, you know, one of my bucket list coaches. Uh, and I'm really glad that uh, he was he was willing to come on. So, Coach, uh, I appreciate you coming on tonight. You bet. Thanks for having me. Uh, this has been super fun to listen. I've actually I pretty much listened to all of them, not all of them all the way through. But, uh, you know, I think it's really cool what you've been doing. And, uh, you know, I think back to when I was a young coach, it'd be like, God, oh, dang, I wish this kind of stuff would have been around when I was doing that. And I'm sure it's been very fun for you to do. And it's been a huge service for high school coaches for sure. Well, I appreciate hearing that from you. I know I was, uh, you know, I'm a, I'm a Brainerd grad and my, and the, Jeremy Millsap, who's a Brainerd dispatch sports editor, randomly called me one day. I was in a target parking lot when my kids were napping and was sitting in with the car running when my wife ran in and, uh, he called and asked and we did a little interview for the local paper because there's not a lot of sports to write about, obviously. And he said, who do you, who are two coaches that, um, you want to have on? And I said, coach Oxen from Lakeville North and coach McKenzie from Minneapolis North. So I appreciate you letting me cross that off my list. Nice. Nice. So, cool. um, nice. as we always start coaching Wikipedia page, uh, so talk about where you're from, where you played and then what led you to Lakeville and now Lakeville North high school. Wow. So I'm going to try to keep this really quick. Um, and I know it's going to ramble a little bit cause I've been around a long time. I actually, this year was my 40th year as a coach. Can you believe that? It's pretty unbelievable. But, uh, I, I born and raised Fargo, North Dakota, played at Fargo North high school, played football and basketball, graduated, went to North Dakota state. No, absolutely zero interest in or no thoughts that I would be a coach at all. Um, went there as a, a business major, had no idea what I was doing. Um, talked to a guy and uh, he said, hey, why don't, you, why don't you go back to Ben Franklin Junior High, which is where I went to junior high, and they're looking for uh, seventh grade football coaches. You should come and do it. It's a blast. So I did it. Absolutely loved it. Uh, within probably three weeks of doing that. I'm like, I asked the guy, I'm like, you know, he was a young guy, just like me. He was in college. He was becoming, he was going to become an educator. And I said, geez, I, this coaching is so fun. What do you have to do to, you know, I had no clue. What do you have to do to kind of, you know, get into this business and stuff? And he's like, well, you got to become a teacher. Basically it'd be the easiest way. What do you like to teach? I'm like, I don't know. It's like, I guess I've always liked games and stuff. So I guess I'll teach Fayette and change my major. I did seventh grade football, seventh grade basketball, then eighth grade, ninth grade, my last year, my fifth year in college, because I had to cram my, uh, my four years into five. But my last year of college, I was the sophomore football coach and the sophomore basketball coach at my alma mater, Fargo North. And uh, so I had done four years of coaching when I was in college. Um, and then at that time, I just thought, you know what, I'm, I'm pretty smart. I think I know everything. I'm ready to be a head coach. And uh, I had a connection with the guy that was the head coach at Fargo North. He was originally from Montana. He had connections in Montana. And I decided for whatever reason, I don't even have any idea. I'm just like, I'm going to apply for head coaching jobs in Montana. And uh, I've got a job in Wilsaw, Montana, uh, a population 250 people, uh, 32 kids in the high school. I was the head girls basketball coach and the head boys basketball coach. Girls was in the fall. Boys was in the winter. And I did that for two years, moved on to Gardner High School in uh, Montana, which is the north entrance to Yellowstone Park. Was fortunate enough to win a state championship there. Met a guy, um, Harry McClanahan, who was the basketball coach in Lakeville and also was uh, becoming an administrator. And uh, he actually asked me to apply for the job in Lakeville. And so I was living in Montana at the time. We had just had our first child um, and then actually had our second child right before we left Montana, but we just decided we wanted to get closer to home. Uh, my wife had a sister that lives in Minneapolis and we just thought, you know what, let's go there. Knew nothing about Lakeville at all and got the job and uh, that was in 1990. So I've been there for uh, the last 30 years. So, uh, you know, it's been quite a ride. Um, I've been the head coach the whole 30 years, except for two years. Um, I took uh, basically a sabbatical and watched my daughter play girls basketball, um, which was probably the smartest thing I ever did. And I actually think that uh, in some ways it's allowed me to stay in the business this long, because as you know, you've done it seven years, you know what kind of a grind it can be. And, you know, it takes a lot of time and it takes a lot of passion. And that two years off, which was in, uh, I think, 2000. 2006, 7, and 7, 8, um, those two years 
um, you know, when I came back, I just was very much uh, rejuvenated and just ready to really get back into it. And it's really allowed me to, uh, um, you know, have just a great career. And, uh, you know, so it's been really fun. And then it doesn't hurt that when I came back, uh, we had a run of really, really good players too. So it makes it kind of nice. You know, I want to talk more about that. Uh, you taking that two year off. That's something I had down the road, down the list here, but now you mentioned, I want to jump in there. So talk about like what went into that decision. And you mentioned it was the best decision that you make. You just expand on that a little bit more and what you're able to maybe look at the game differently after your two year leave, um, you know, being a dad, which is all of our, all of our most important role that we serve, um, you know, as being parents of those coaches that are parents that's obviously our most important role. So just talk about what in a little bit more about what into that, what went into that decision and then, um, you know, how it kind of changed your coaching, you know, t- stepping away for a couple of years. Right. Well, it was kind of a unique situation because at the time, 2006 was the last, last graduating class of Lakeville High School. Actually, it was the first, excuse me, that's not right. It was the first graduating class of Lakeville North High School. All the seniors, when Lakeville South opened, all the seniors were together. I live actually really close to Lakeville South. So my daughter, they had no open enrollment. They, they suspended that when they opened the school. So she had to go to Lakeville South. And so she was a girl basketball player. My son was a senior. My daughter was a sophomore. Um, and that year, you know, it was just weird. I didn't get to see her games much. And I was coaching my oldest son. And anyway, it was just kind of a goofy deal. And I just decided, you know what, I'm not going to, I'm not going to miss her last two years. And, uh, you know, it wasn't like she was some great player or anything like that, but it was just, you know, I just felt like my family had, had sacrificed so much for me for so many years that I just, I'm like, I'm not going to just miss her high school basketball career. I'm just, I'm not going to do it. So, um, very lucky that I had a principal that would allow me to do that. Um, you know, the district office was cool with it. Basically I was just going to step away. I had an assistant coach that was willing to, I'm like, you know, I talked to him. He's still with me, Mike Nolan. And I said, Mike, are you willing to be the head coach for a couple of years? And I'm coming back. So, you know, don't get too used to it or anything like that. So we all knew what was going on. And, uh, you know, it was just, what it really did for me, I think, was I just looked at things differently. I looked at, I, I, to be honest with you, I spent a ton of time watching coaches on the bench. Um, I, it was not a very good basketball team, Lakeville South girls at the time. And uh, I really, really focused on my daughter, but other coaches and officials, to be honest with you, really watched them a lot and really did a lot of reflecting about, you know, cause I would say I'm pretty hard on officials, um, especially when I was younger. And uh, I just really started to really take in the importance of we're all in this together. Um, these guys are making a great uh, sacrifice for the game to be willing to officiate. And, and we just have to do a better job of coaches of, you know, communicating with them and appreciating them. And, you know, so that was probably the biggest takeaway that I got. And then the other thing was just, I'm a, I'm a very much a competitor. That's, that's something that has driven me for, for years. And I've always enjoyed that. I love team sports. I love any sports, but I love team sports. I love the whole idea of getting people together and stuff like that. And when I was gone for those two years, um, that just, that really, I really missed that. I really missed that. And, and when I came back, um, you know, again, I just, it just really refreshed me. And it was just a super special time for my daughter and I, and my daughter's an amazing young woman. And, uh, you know, people always told me, Oh, she'll appreciate it coach. You know, she'll tell you she appreciates it in 10 years. And it was like, I didn't have to wait for that. She told me all the time how dad, thanks so much for coming. And, you know, so that's something that we will share for the rest of our lives. And that was pretty cool. So that's awesome stuff. You know, I think that's, um, really, I mean, it's amazing that you did that. I have two young girls, you know, who knows if they're going to play playing basketball or what they'll be doing. They're three and one, but you know, just, I'm sure that was a really hard decision. And 
Um, and, and I like that what you mentioned too about the referees. I think it's so easy sometimes in the high school game to you know, get on referees and, and ride referees, but you know, they're making a big sacrifice to improve the game. I think that's a really good point that you brought up. Um, I want to go back. You mentioned you, you know, 40 years now you've co- been coaching. So talk about, you know, how coaching in itself has changed from when you first started, or maybe even when you first came to Lakeville in 1990 versus what it is today in 2020. Well, I think the biggest difference is just the, you know, and my wife actually, you know, she's been with me this whole time and been with me the whole, all the 40 years. Um, and, you know, she thinks that the biggest difference is when it changed that we could coach in the summer. And I remember when that was being discussed and I don't even remember what year it was to be quite honest with you, but, um, she was just like, she would tell me, she's like, this is going to be the worst thing that's ever happened. I mean, she was not into, my goodness, you're going to be doing this all summer long. And, and she, I think she had the, you know, and I just thought, well, we're just going to practice a couple times a week or whatever. It's not going to be that big a deal. And you, you know what it's become. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just like, so really, I think the biggest thing that's changed, it's just become this, this whole consuming part, you know, it, it's just a part of your life. It, it, it basically, if you're not doing something with basketball, you're thinking about basketball, you know, and it's pretty much 365 days of the year. And, you know, so that I think is the biggest thing that's changed. It used to be, you know, Hey, you kind of played in the season. You did what you could, you know, you worked hard, you did all those things. But when the season got over, there'd be some open gyms and stuff like that, but not the organization that there is now. Um, it, I mean, it's just, and obviously what it's done is AU and all that kind of stuff. It has made, I mean, think of what has happened in Minnesota basketball. I mean, when I first got here in 1990, it was like, you know, maybe one division one player a year, maybe. And then now it's like the talent we have is unbelievable. You know, in our league, we've got, we've got two, three guys playing in the end, four guys playing in the NBA. I mean, that's just unheard of. And Dawson Garcia will be another one. He'll be in the NBA someday. So, I mean, you know, that part of it, it's just, the whole overall year long program, I think is, uh, you know, just amazing how that has grown and developed, I guess. This past season, you won your 600th game. Talk about uh, what that was like. I think you were the 12th uh, coach to get on the 600 wins list when that happened. Oh, coach Kling sprung a tartan was right behind you. Uh, so 600 wins, uh, just talk about what that was like for you. Well, you know, the biggest deal, number one, it means you've been around a hell of a long time. And the other thing that it means is you've had some really, really good players. And, you know, I think I, I've always been of the opinion that I think head coaches get way too much credit and they get way too much blame, you know, to be honest with you. Um, you know, the game, it's about the kids. Um, and, you know, I've been fortunate. It actually, the coolest thing about it was just it, it really made me go back and I thought about kids that I coached back in Montana um, and, you know, just all sorts of things that go through your mind. But the biggest thing is really the kids and, and all the coaches that I've had. So, you know, um, and just being really thankful that I've had a family and a wife that has, you know, allowed me to do this because it's obviously my passion. It's my life's work. And uh, <clears throat> I'm pretty, pretty fortunate that my wife has allowed me to do that. Last question down memory lane, then we'll kind of get into your <clears throat> coaching philosophy and uh, talk about some more of the uh, program-based stuff that you've done and um, created such a s- successful program at Lakeville and now at, obviously at Lakeville North High School. 2014 state championship. Um, just talk about, again, that experience and what that was like to, you know, big class, really good high school basketball, like you mentioned, NBA players that you had to go through to get there. And what was that like in 2014 winning that state championship? Well, um, Freaking unbelievable, number one. I mean, it was unbelievable. Um, you know, the game itself was crazy. Um, the season itself was, uh, you know, we just had an amazing year. Um, JP was a very, very special player, but more so than just him, we had a bunch of kids that just bought in. And, you know, and I honestly don't think that we were the best team in the state, um, but we were the best team in the state that night. And, uh, you know, it was just basically surreal. And, you know, when I think back to, um, you know, coming to Lakeville in 1990, Lakeville never, ever been in a section championship game ever. And uh, we got into a section championship game my, I think it was my third year. 
or something like that. And I remember that was such a big deal. We finally made it to state in 1995 for the first time ever, uh, which was just unbelievable. So Lakeville has, is, is a football town. Always been a football town, probably always will be a football town. Um, and it was not known for basketball. And, um, you know, so for us to win a state championship, especially for people that have been around Lakeville for a long time was like, wow, that was a big deal. So um, just super fun and just, you know, validation of a lot of hard work by a lot of people because it certainly wasn't just me, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, so yeah, just, just crazy times in a crazy game. And to win it the way we won it was bizarre and super fun <laughs> for sure. You, know, you mentioned the game has been changing. And part of that is the, you know, specialization of, you know, one, maybe two sport athletes, but the years of the um, three sport athletes are getting few and far between. Obviously each program maybe has a couple, but you guys at Lake North seem like you're one of the ones who year in and year out have a really, really, really successful football program. That I know you've been a part of as a, on the staff in the past and a really successful basketball program. So just talk about ways that you're able to work collaboratively with the football program to guarantee and provide an opportunity for, for those athletes that want to be good at football and want to be good at basketball to stick with it and also develop and become varsity contributors uh, instead of having to feel like they have to pick one sport. Right. You know, I think the biggest thing probably is the communication between the coaches. Um, and basically at Lakeville North, we have, uh, we've done a great job with that. The other thing I think is, you know, how you, you know, how you set things up so that kids are able to do multiple things. Like you, you can't just talk about it. You got to walk the, you got to walk the talk, you know, you gotta, you gotta set it up, um, so that kids don't feel a ton of pressure. You know, you can't, you know, oh, hey, it's okay to miss basketball and go to a seven-on-seven scrimmage and then say that, but then treat them like crap, you know, or you know what I mean? It has to, it has to, things have to align. And I think that, that kids at Lakeville North, you know, they know that coaches are supportive. And I realize, I mean, like our football coach has to have some football-only dudes to win the state championship. I can't win the state championship in the big class with a bunch of football players. I have to have some big time basketball players. I can sprinkle in the football guys, but I, that can't be my main thing. So, um, you know, and we've just been so lucky in Lakeville that, um, you know, we just have a ton of really good athletes and we're successful. If you look at it at Lakeville North, we're successful in just about every sport really, um, which is pretty crazy. Um, and it's a credit to the coaches that have worked together and, you know, just a credit to, the amount of talent that we've had. But, you know, I just think the biggest thing is working together and then communicating with kids and just being really understanding that, Hey, they're getting stretched in a lot of different ways. You got to be realistic and supportive. And, uh, you know, because like I say, uh, you know, even when we won the state championship, those guys weren't all just basketball guys. There were some football dudes in there that did a great job. Bronson Bruno was a football guy and he took four charges in the state championship game and we win. He plays the game of his life and he's a football guy. So um, you got to have those guys for sure. Talk, talk about those conversations that you have uh, with those guys. I know you've had some scholarship level football players who then serve, come off the bench as seniors or have a role for you on the basketball team. Talk about how you just have a, you know, for some high school kids, it'd be hard. You know, that could be an ego hit for some of them, but how do you get them to buy into having that role be much less than maybe it was in the fall, but also how valuable they are to the team? Right. And, you know, I'll tell you, and we've done that a ton. We've done that a ton. And I just, I really, I go back to, I credit just the culture at Lakeville North. And I know that's kind of weird, but I tell you what, our kids are very competitive. And I just think we have a bunch of coaches. We all kind of talk the same way. And, uh, you know, I know for me, probably the biggest thing, you know, like I know you've asked other coaches in this podcast, you know, what are, what are some main things? And the main thing in the boys basketball program at Lakeville North is the team concept. I'm huge in that. Um, and I just, I constantly am talking about role players. I'm constantly talking about why I love basketball. I think it's the greatest game there is because it's very athletic. Um, the best team doesn't always win. The best talent doesn't always win. The best team wins, but not the best talent. And, you know, I've always just, I love that. And I love that you can make an impact on your team in so many different ways. And, uh, 
I just think our kids, they just buy into it. You know, we had, we had Trey Hyde was on our uh, 2012 runner up team with my son, my youngest son was on that team. I had great players and stuff like that. Here Trey, Trey is Metro player of the year in football. And in basketball, it's like, Hey dude, I need you to be a lockdown defender and I need you to, you know, do all these things. You're not going to get to shoot it all the time. And he had been a shooter his whole life basically. And, you know, just things like that, that we just had kids that have bought into that. And it's happened time after time after time. And again, I just have to credit the kids, but I think we as coaches have done a really good job of just setting the framework for that. I'm going to force you to take some credit for this because I've always, you know, your teams and uh, I know Coach Fadness at Austin were two teams that I always watch from afar. And coaches that I tried to emulate and want to try to you know, ne- know that I'm never going to be as, as successful as, but coaches that have, you know, done things the right way and have um, had success in towns that maybe aren't, you know, right, you know, in the first ring of Minneapolis, St. Paul, where there's, you know, where there is a ton of talent. Uh, and so one thing I've always noticed, and, you know, when we were at the state tournament a couple of years ago, we, I, I came, walked over and watched your guys' state semifinal game up close. Cause I wanted to see, you know, what, you know, pretty much watch you and your staff and how you guys interact with your guys and see what I could take from, from your staff. And, and the one thing that really stuck out to me was like you mentioned was your teams, how well your team played together and was there for one another. So I want to dive deeper into that. Was there, is there any specific team building strategies that you have or, you know, communication or, you know, every couple of days you talk to so-and-so or just what are some ways that you really build? Cause it's one thing that, you know, say, Hey, we're going to, we're going to play together this and that, but how do you get them to apply that, you know, teamwork and that being able to play together? Right. You know, that's kind of a good question. Um, I think it's really, I think the main thing to be honest with you is, is the talk that I do constantly. I mean, I don't care if it's summer, I don't care if it's during the season, uh, that's constantly in the forefront that, that constantly comes up to, that just comes up. It comes up in our defensive drills. It comes up in offensive things. Um, just that, that whole, uh, team thing. Um, we also do uh, weekly meetings. We call them Tough Panther Win, Tough Panthers Win meetings, and TPW we call it. So um, our guys, uh, uh, my assistant coach runs it, and uh, they do a lot of team building kind of stuff in there, and uh, you know just talk about the importance of team, and he does a lot of different things with that, um, and that's something that we've done for years. Um, we used to give out a shoelace, red shoelace for kids that kind of, uh, they would vote on it and, uh, you know, met criteria of being a team player and stuff like that. And we've kind of gone away from that, but, um, we still, I think it's just the, the constant, you know, talk in our program. I, I don't know how to, how to best describe it, but I think that any one of our kids, when they graduate, I think that they would say that, we spent a crazy amount of time talking about team stuff and what we expect of a teammate. And I tell kids all the time, the biggest compliment I can give you is that you're a great teammate, that you're going to leave here and your legacy is going to be, you know what? So-and-so was a great, was a great teammate. Um, They're not going to remember how many points you scored or what you did or anything like that. They're going to remember, you know, the day-to-day stuff that you're doing with your teammates. Um, and I don't know, I wish I had a better answer for you. I think we do a great job of communicating with kids. Um, we talk to them. We do that a lot during lifting. So kids are lifting. We'll pull them off to the side. We do that. We talk to the kids every week. Um, I know that, that some coaches on this podcast have talked about, um, you know, different things, what they do. We also do a lot of talking to kids during, uh, like, the JV game. I'll talk to my varsity guys. I'll pull them up. Hey, how are things going? Here's what I need you to do, you know, whatever. And we'll just discuss stuff. So we try to keep that communication going all the time. And I'm a huge, huge believer in, um, I'm really trying to develop young men and trying to get them to realize they need to be advocates for themselves. You know, like mommy and daddy, you're, you're a big boy now. Mommy and daddy don't need to uh, call coach Oxton and complain about playing time. Come and talk to me, you know, Hey, I'm, I'm here all the time. And, and we have that. It's not just, Hey, come and talk to me. We talk to him all the time. I talk to him a lot. And, you know, um, so I have zero conversations basically with parents, to be honest with you. Um, and parents don't call me and complain about things because 
of the culture that we've set at our school for sure. You've won eight straight section championships. How do you approach the start of each season? You know, records start over, new group comes in. How are you approaching the start of each year? You know, it's a, that's a good question. Uh, We start, we start a lot about talking about the history of our program and what we've done and basically challenging kids to be like, okay, here we go. You know, do you want to be the next one or, you know, or do you want to be the, the first one to kind of break the string? And, you know, it's like, it's, it's some pressure. Um, but it's a pretty cool thing too, um, to win eight section championships in a row. And I know there'll be a lot of people that are like, Oh yeah, but you, you won it in section one. It's like, well, yeah, okay. I can maybe get that a little bit, but it's not like we go to the state tournament and lay an egg either. You know, we go to the state tournament, we're competing at a state level. We won a state championship. We've been in a state championship game many times. And, you know, so we're very proud of it. And, and like I say, our kids have a lot of pride in that. And uh, they know every summer we have a, our workout shirt has the number of section titles that we're going for the next year. So like our shirts this summer, there's a number nine on the back in the upper, the upper back. And it's like, you know, you look at that every day and you think, all right, what am I going for? Well, I'm going for number nine now. Um, last year, we didn't get an opportunity to do that because we got cut one game short. But, uh, you know, again, our, our kids take a lot of pride in that. And, and we just tell kids, hey, we're starting over. But here we go. This is a great challenge. And a lot of guys have done it before you. And we think we have a pretty good plan and a formula. Let's follow that formula. And, and uh, hopefully we can get there again. And like I say, we've been able to do it a lot. And, and it's because we've had super good players. You have had really good players. Uh, I know we talked, you mentioned JP McKeera who helped win the state championship in 2014. Tyler Wall is playing at Wisconsin. How do you challenge uh, your best players uh, day in and day out at practices? You know, how do I challenge them? Probably by chewing their butt a little bit. Um, you know, basically, and a lot of it is too, is bringing up, I'll bring up stuff that, that guys have done in the past too. I mean, the one thing that, one thing about JP was he was a warrior. He was a, he was the ultimate competitive, you know, person. And all I had to do in practice would go to JP and just be like, Hey, I just pull him aside and just be like, Hey, we are bad right now. Let's, we need to pick it up and you need to, and he would, he would go so hard. He would basically just embarrass kids, you know, just like, I'm just going to, you know, I'm not only going to score every time, but I'm just going to basically just take this thing over. And it just, the, the level of our practice just went like that. And so our kids have seen that. And then Nathan Reavers, you know, very competitive, very skilled. Tyler, uh, before him, Tyler Flack. So we've had a Division One player. Last year was the first time I haven't had a Division One player since 2011, um, at least one player um, on the team. And so, uh, you know, it just, um, you know, bringing up, challenging them by, by bringing up the past, but also, um, you know, just like the rest of us, you know, sometimes splitting teams equally and stuff like that in practice, not just going varsity against JV. And, you know, so we do whatever we can to be competitive. And, uh, you know, we've got, you know, we're a big school. So for the most part, you know, we, everybody's a pretty good player, you know, I mean, you don't have a couple of weak links at the end, but, um, but yeah, I guess that's what we do. What does a normal practice look like for you guys? Well, I would say that it's pretty typical as far as, you know, I've been, again, listening to the podcast. Most coaches are talking about two-hour practices. That's pretty much where we start. We maybe go a little bit longer than that at the beginning of the year. We get down to probably about an hour and 15 minutes at the end. Um, But I do much more shooting than I used to. Um, You know, we pride ourselves on being a pretty good three-point shooting team. Um, So we do a lot of shooting. Um, But we practice a lot defensively, too. You know, it's been kind of interesting for me to hear you kind of talk about, well, you know, we're a, we're kind of an offensive up-tempo team and stuff like that. And I think I heard you say one time, you said, uh, um, yeah, you know, um, you know, if we give up a layup sometime, you know, we just kind of, we'll just, we'll give up a layup and just take it out of bounds and really go fast the other way. And to me, I hear that and I'm just like, ah, you know, like, <laughs> like that would be over my dead body that we would give up a layup and then just. You know what I mean? So it's just, we are very much a defensive team. I love offense and stuff like that. But what I've, what we've done at Lakeville North is we've tried to base everything on what do we have to do to win? 
what do we have to do to be competitive? And we know what we get. We know what our talent level is. We know who we're going against. And, you know, we, everything that we do is devised to be competitive. And so uh, that has framed some of the things that we do. So one of the things is we just feel like defensively, we've got to be really good and really disciplined. Otherwise, guys like Trey Jones, Tyus Jones, um, who's the other dude, Gary Trent, you know, Dawson Garcia, and then there's a list of, I mean, tons of other guys. They'll embarrass you in our league if you are not at a very high level defensively. So that's kind of how that has all transpired. What are some of your best defensive drills? You know, what are some of our best defensive drills? I think for toughness, one of the drills that we like is we call it, um, oh gosh, I'm blanking on the name right now, but um, we basically, it's a zigzag drill um, that, you know, so you're playing zigzag, um, just regular old zigzag. Um, and then um, you've got two players standing on the blocks on the other end and they do a zigzag. And when they come down, they can pick what side they go to and they pass the ball into the post and the other player who doesn't get the ball goes over and becomes a defender. And they basically go one-on-one -on -one in the post. Um, love that drill. It's a toughness drill. We get after kids, we push them, bigs are together, littles are together. Um, and then when they're in the post playing defense, they're basically, you know, kicking each other's butt a little bit and we let them get pretty physical and uh, kids really like it. Super competitive. Um, it's a great conditioner. Um, and, uh, you know, and I think that that it's a whole mindset of, for us is toughness is a huge thing. Um, and I'm not talking, you know, it's not just physical toughness, but it's also mental toughness. And I honestly feel like we do a really good job of setting a culture of we flat out are going to play harder than you. You know what I mean? Like if, like if you come to my kids, and be like, well, what's one of the things that, that the program is based on? It would be like, we're going to play harder than you. Like, we're going to play Princeton. I respect you as a coach. I respect your players and stuff. But we're flat out going to play harder than you. And we believe that. You know what I mean? And so that for us is a huge thing, you know. And my pregame talk every game for the whole season, the first loose ball is ours, guaranteed, 100%. That's not a 50-50 ball. That's our ball, you know. We're going to take charges. We're going to make the extra pass. One of our guys gets knocked down on the, on the floor. We're going to run over and we're going to pick him up. And just all those little things like that, we just constantly, you know, go over that over and over and over. And it leads to our kids being pretty disciplined and pretty united. And, uh, you know, I think that that's one of the things that I love about basketball is that, you know, you go against a team that is totally bought in. Um, they're pretty hard to beat. Um, and then you add talent, then all of a sudden they're really hard to beat because they're not only really tough, but they're really, really good. And so that, again, has been kind of uh, uh, the, the recipe that we've been trying to use. I like that you mentioned winning that first, uh, winning that first loose basketball. I think sometimes coaches are like, we're going to get every loose basketball. Well, that's just not, that's not realistic. But that first one, like you mentioned, that, that can really set the tone for the game. And the other team's like, oh, crap, they're going to get after it. They're going to get everything. And that can really turn that percentage, even all things equal, that percentage could easily go from 50-50 to 75-25 off the, after that one basketball. So I really like how that's a point of emphasis and not like, let's get every single loose basketball. Well, that's not realistic. But that first one can set the tone for the entire game. I really like that. Um, last thing about practices, how do you balance, you know, we hear a lot about, you know, games based stuff and less work one on O two on O than maybe even five years ago. Um, how do you balance, you mentioned getting a lot of shots up, but also with your, you know, your five on five or your competitive games type stuff. Yeah. You know, we, um, you know, I think we probably start off typically like most people do. We'll start off with some shooting, then we'll go into some individual things. Um, you know, I just, you know, when I listen to everybody talk, one of the things that I realize is I'm way less organized than, uh, I, I make it way less complicated, I guess. When I hear some of the guys talking on this podcast, it's like, holy criminy, I don't know anything about basketball, um, you know, small side of games or whatever. It's like, I don't even know what that is hardly, you know, it's like, yeah, we do our three on three, we do our two on two, we do this, we do that, we do disadvantage drills. We do all of those things, but 
I would say that we're probably not nearly as organized as some of the things that I'm hearing on this podcast. Um, but it's basically shooting, individual stuff. We do a bunch of defensive drills, you know, and then the last half of practice, we'll do a lot of five on five stuff. Um, that's typically what it looks like. Um, one of the things I think that we probably do um, a little bit more than other people, I think, is uh, we spend a fair amount of time on out-of-bounds plays. Um, not a ton of time, but, you know, I'm a big believer in the game is pretty simple. You know, I try to keep it as simple as possible. Um, and basically, if we get better shots than you get, we're probably going to beat you if we have decent talent. I mean, if we just flat out, if we don't have any talent, we're just, we're not going to win anyway. But talent being equal, if we can get better shots than you're going to get, we're probably going to win. And so one of the ways, and it goes back to my coaching of my daughter, actually, when she was in traveling team, they were so bad. We were so bad as a team. I guess I was with them. So I'm one of them. We were really, really bad. And it was almost like girls just dribble down to the baseline throw it off the girl's leg so we can get an out-of-bounds play because <laughs> then we're going to score. And, you know, it's kind of weird, but um, I tell you, we, we take a lot of pride in that. We, we take a lot of pride in, number one, we're going to score more than you are going to score. And the other thing is we're, we're really big on out-of-bounds defense too. We spend a lot of time on that um, where, you know, we want to be, we're not going to give up baskets, easy baskets. So for us, a huge deal is, Transition defense is huge for us because I totally believe we're not going to give you layups. You know what I mean? Like that's, that is our main thing. We're going to circle the wagons and we're not going to give up layups. And uh, because I just feel like keeping, again, keeping it really simple, you have to get easier baskets than your opponent. And if you're giving up easy baskets, you're going to get your butt whooped. That's just all there is to it. Um, if you're playing against good teams and in our league, every night you're playing against somebody pretty good. And, uh, you know, so again, we need, we feel like we need to be pretty solid there. So, so practice, I don't think that we do anything really any different than what most people are talking about in the podcast, really. Let's get into your, your transition defense. Uh, as that's a nice segue into um, getting to the offensive and defensive side of the ball. So defense is your passion or is your, uh, your main focus, like you mentioned. And uh, I want to hear about your guys' philosophy in transition on defense uh, and maybe how that plays into offensive rebounds and how many you send back and that sort of thing. Sure. And that all depends on basically who we're playing against. You know, we'll send, we always have one back. Sometimes we'll have two back. There's times where we'll have three back actually. Not very often, but we basically designate guys to go to the board uh, just like everybody else. We, you know, we tell kids, you know, those first couple of steps are huge. You either got to go to the board hard or you got to sprint back. There can't be that indecision and stuff like that. And um, again, I just feel like our league is um, and the competition that we play pretty much in all of our games that you know, it's at such a high level that our kids, you know, they just realize you just have to do that. If you don't do that and you're playing Wyzetta, it's going to be a problem or you're playing Hopkins or you're playing, I mean, the people that we play, uh, it's just, it becomes, that's the way that we have to play to be successful. It's got to be played at a very high level of intensity. And, um, you know, so for us, it's nothing, you know, crazy, um, it's basically sprint to the paint, protect the paint first, and then fan out from there. And, uh, you know, and it basically just comes down to if we tell you to go to the boards, you need to go to the boards hard. And if you don't, you're probably going to be sitting. And if we tell you to be back and you don't get back, uh, you're probably going to sit, you know. And that's, that's one thing that kind of going into a different topic is that one of the things that, you know, our kids realize the intensity level that we have to play at. And if they don't do that, they realize that, you know, somebody else is going to come in. Um, that's one thing I've learned over my, all of my years of coaching is that the bench is, it's a pretty big motivator. It's a pretty big motivator. And when kids get too comfortable and they just think, huh, oh, I can kind of play at whatever level I want to, that's a problem. And so again, we've had good enough players and good enough depth that, um, kids learn that pretty quick that, you know, you're going to do it the right way and you're going to do what we're asking you to do. Otherwise, um, you know, you're not going to get to play as much as you want. 
Ball screen defense. I know that's the game's changing a lot on the offensive side of, it, side of it, where pretty much every team is running something ball screen related. You got to go against a couple times a year, uh, an NBA player and um, a future NBA player and uh, uh, Trey and Tyus Jones. So what, how do you guys teach ball screen defense? Uh, do you have a variety of different calls or do you guys keep it pretty simple and you're really good at one um, uh, style of ball screen D? You know, I tell you, we have, over the years, we've gone back and forth. We try to switch as much as possible. Um, but, you know, back when Apple Valley was really good, that was, that was not an option. You couldn't do that. Um, we, 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 we used to hard hedge a lot, and then we kind of got away from that. Now we kind of do more of a, you know, we call it a flat hedge. We're kind of just trying to string guys out a little bit. Um, so we do that. Um, but again, we try to switch as much as we can if we're able to do that. And this year, I think we're going to be able to do that more than we have lately. Um, and, the, you know, and we'll do some trapping and stuff, too. And I think the one thing that we haven't done a really good job of is um, I think sometimes you need to just switch it up just to switch it up, even if you don't think it would be that successful. Because if you keep defending a ball screen the same way all the time, over and over and over, the offense is able to get in such a rhythm. And I'm a big, you know, we're a big man-to-man team. We play about, you know, probably 98% man. And I'm a big keep it simple. Uh, we do it a certain way and stuff like that. And, um, but I think in ball screens, you know, we even have to, we've got to do a better job of, of changing it up a little bit. And we definitely like to, at the end of the game, you know, we'll play, it, we'll play ball screens a certain way. And then at the end of the game, in the last two or three minutes or something like that, we will change how we're doing it just to, again, try to change the rhythm and, and not allow the offense to just be able to do everything, you know, that they've been doing and just mix it up a little bit. And, you know, and sometimes we trap a really good player. Um, but, you know, back in the days when it was Tyus Jones, that didn't work. You know, you're going to trap Tyus Jones. I'm sorry, but he's going to find the open man and it's going to be a layup and that's going to be a problem. So. So what are you, some of your teaching points with uh, your switching defense? And we're a switching team, uh, and, and I'm going to come back to your point about, about what, what I had mentioned in a previous podcast about giving up layups. Uh, and I'll, I'll give you I'll, – I'll let you hear – I'll, I'll explain to you, but I'll wait to the end on that one. But we're yeah. a switching team. So what are some of your big teaching points uh, when you're teaching, like, off-ball switching? And, I mean, you mentioned pick-and-roll defense, but mostly off the ball. Yeah, you know, we don't do a ton of off the ball. We switch dribble handoffs. Um, if there's contact, we try not to switch. We tell the kids. So basically any off ball screens and stuff like that, we're basically trying not to switch. We do very little switching. We switch on ball screens. We switch dribble handoffs with contact. Um, the rest of it, you know, we either, you know, what we call take the shortcut, um, or we chase depending on if it's a shooter or not. Um, we do some switching if we have to. Uh, when we come across some players that are, you know, obviously just dangerous offensive players, you know, we have to do some switching. But, you know, the one thing I learned a long time ago, and it actually, um, I keep learning it over and over and over because sometimes we get away from it. But the year that we won the state championship with JP, JP was not a great defender. He was a great athlete. Um, he was a great offensive player. And because of that, I don't think that he – I'm being nice when I say this. I don't think he focused on defense nearly as much as um, he should have. But one of the things that we thought was JP, when he played, uh, he played for D1 Minnesota, and D1 switched everything. And JP was so good at um, jumping passing lanes, you know, just jumping out, tipping it, go down and dunk it and stuff like that. And, and uh, so anyway, I had the brilliant idea. I'm like, hey, we're going we're gonna to allow – we're going to basically not switch anything, but JP, anytime your man, you know, if you, if you are in a screen with JP, we're going to allow that to be a switch. JP loved that. He thought that was great. We go for the uh, Wisconsin, Minnesota challenge, you know, the, for the breakdown deal. We go to uh, Kaukana, Wisconsin. We play Stevens point and they just smoke us. It was, in, uh, it was in January, I think, or maybe the beginning of February or something like that, the year that we won the state championship, and we just got smoked. And then we had a five-hour bus ride back home. And I remember us as coaches just sitting there. It was just like, what are we going to do now? This is just 
we just got completely embarrassed by a very well-coached team, a very talented team. And I'm just like, you know what? We're going to go back to square one and we're not going to switch and we're not going to have the JP rules anymore. And, uh, you know, so I guess what I'm getting at is we try to keep everything as simple as possible. Um, try to keep it very disciplined uh, where, you know, I don't like a lot of switching just because then I think uh, there's not enough accountability. I'm really big on accountability as far as on the boards and stuff like that. And, um, you know, so it's just a, it's just a philosophy that that's what works for us. And it fits in with the kind of personnel we have and that, you know, you look at what is your talent level and then you look at what league do you play in and what do you have to do to compete? And we've set up our defense basically um, for that. Let's go to the other side of the ball offensively. Uh, for those that you know haven't tuned in, watch you guys in the section or in the state semis and finals, which seems to happen more times than not uh, in that um, you know Thursday night four uh, A games into the Saturday night nightcap state championship game, like you've been in, I think four times. Um, what is your guys' offense philosophy? Of those that aren't familiar with the Panthers, you know, I think the biggest thing is we try to play fairly fast. Um, I don't think that we're you know we're not we don't do a, a crazy amount of pressing and when we do pressing it's basically full court man just to wear people down and stuff like that um but i've just kind of you know i would say we don't take a lot of chances defensively um so then offensively we're trying to play fast um but um because of our style defensively i think that um you know we maybe don't you know, it's not just a huge emphasis to get down there and burp up a shot, but we definitely want to, you know, if we can get an early three and stuff like that, we love flares in transition. Um, we've run a lot of flares over the years. We love that. Um, and, and really, you know, I, I've listened to guys talking about the podcast of, you know, we run this offense or we run that offense. We actually change our offense a little bit based on our personnel. Um, it's mostly motion based. Um, right now we're running a five man motion. A lot of curl cuts, a lot of back cuts, some dribble handoffs, some ball screens. Um, but I'm a huge believer in, um, you know, swinging the ball from side to side, attacking bad closeouts. Um, you know, so for us, a lot of times it's just like, hey, let's just get the ball moving here, you know. And then our kids are pretty smart about, hey, let's get it moving. But then when it gets reversed to our best dude, that best dude, let's get downhill and let's get in the lane and, you know, do some back cutting and things like that. So, um, but I would say flares. And then the other thing is we, we run quite a few sets. Um, I think they're, I would classify them as quick hitters though. I'm not a big, uh, you know, I look at some plays and it's just like, Oh my gosh, they just passed it like seven times to get that shot. I mean, that's crazy. I can, we, we can't do that. We're quick hitters. We're, we do a lot of quick hitters. Um, and so we do a lot of that, you know, and I'm listening to Joe Berger talking about 35 sets and stuff like that. It's like, wow, that's a lot of sets. But then when I think about it, we have quite a few sets too, but I honestly feel like ours are definitely kind of the quick hitter variety. And so, uh, but I think a big deal for us too is, you know, the shot selection, we harp on that big time. Um, you know, you got to get your best players to get most of the shots you know? And so that's one bad thing about motion. But again, I think our kids, you know, we do a good job of explaining roles and stuff like that. And our kids know what they're good at. And we, we basically, I, I don't remember what coach said that the other day, you know, we tell our kids, Hey, do what you're good at. Like if you're good at catch and shoot, then catch and shoot. You know, if you're good at, you know, putting it on the floor, then put it on the floor and, you know, but be smart about that. And, um, you know, and then it's obviously if you got a player who can, catch and shoot and put it on the floor. Then all of a sudden you got some pretty good players. So, uh, uh, but we just offensively, we try to be play together, play smart and take good shots. I'll make sure Joe down the street at South doesn't listen to this. Um, but what are, what are a couple of your quick hitters that you're willing to share that you guys run that, you know, maybe isn't giving anything away just that are pretty common within your offense. Yeah, I would say, you know, one little set that we've done and I actually stole this. I learned this in, uh, probably in, starting in 1990, we played in the Minnesota Conference back in the day. Um, New Prague, Chaska, Benilde St. Margaret's, Holy Angels, uh, Red Wing. Anyway, one of the best coaches in there was um, um, Denny Welter at Chaska. Great coach. 
great coach. He started every game with the same play, every game, every game. I'm not talking most games. I'm talking every single game. And it was, we call it X and it's one, four, two guys on the block, you know, point guard comes up, dribbles basically at the elbow, dribbles at a guy that post comes out diagonally. So he comes out to the other lane line. So I'm a point I'm on the lane line. That post comes out, swing it to him, reverse it to the backside wing. And then that post that you dribbled away from, he's trying to get a post up. And then the point and the post that popped out and swung the ball, those guys doubled down for the backside wing. So it's just a very simple, I mean, super simple. It's two passes. It's pass, pass into the post. And like I say, Chasco would run that. I mean, you know, it's just like, and I can remember way back in the day, I'd be like, I'd tell my team, hey, we're not going to let them score on this. Like, we know what the play is. We're not going to let them do it. And, and I remember one year, I, I spent like, this was like my fifth year in Lakeville. I'm sick of getting burned on this same play. And they had great players. And so we talked about it, spent like 15 minutes working on it. Sure as crap. Game starts, boom, boom, pass, three-point play, and we follow them, and it's just like, whatever. I mean, it is so simple, but, you know, again, that kind of goes back to my philosophy of, you know, you keep it simple, and you have really good players, and they know how to execute things, um, you know, it can be successful. And we use that play for – I put that in. It's like that's the other thing that I've done over the years too. It's like you have something that's really, really good, and we can't stop it then I'm putting it in for sure. I have no problem doing that. And, and then we'll call it, if I see a Princeton thing, we'll call it Princeton and we'll run it. You know, that's the way it is. So that brings me back to, you know, your earlier point is, you know, if you want to let your team go in for a layup, other team going for a layup, you can just, you can just name that after us if you want. Um, <laughs> so here's the deal on that. I'm going to give you my 30 seconds. This is, you know, I want these all to be about the guests, not about me, but you brought it up. So here's, here's our thing is it goes back to the point that you made about playing hard. And it's just two different ways of playing hard. What we have found is where we get into trouble in games is like, we're, we're a pressing team. We're a switching team. We're up the line. We're aggressive is where we get into trouble is a couple guys are playing tentative. And so yep. there's a, there's an always a pressure release on the court. And so our philosophy is play aggressively. If you guys get beat once or twice, like we can live with that. Like we'll work on that where we, we think we're going to get the trade off from getting steals and passing lanes or speeding right. teams up into bad shots. And so it's just more the mentality of, and we don't say, Hey, give them their three layups this <laughs> half. And then, okay, they've only gotten one. So you got two more to give up, but more <laughs> the mentality of making sure all five guys, like you mentioned, are playing hard and, are, are being aggressive because you know a team who's a, you know four guys are aggressive and one guy is scared and tentative you know that's an easy sure. pressure release and everyone else gets screwed so it's more just the teaching <laughs> the mentality yeah, right. of it more than actually letting up layups but it happens from time to time and we do try to go back the other way and throw a punch but you know i do i do appreciate you hearing hearing you critique that a little bit and we might have to bring that up on tuesday at our next workout with uh yeah. with, with but, my but, assistant but, coach but uh you know, first of all, I really appreciate you know, taking time. You know, we're recording this on Sunday night. You, you know, coming on here, and I appreciate you listening. And that that means the world. Cause like I said, you're someone that um, I've watched from afar and really tried to um, learn from and study as much as I can. And some of the stuff that you do. So, you know, I appreciate you taking time and coming on here. Absolutely, absolutely. It's been great for sure. Coach Oxen, I appreciate it. Have a good rest of your night uh, and stay safe. And hopefully we're back out there when things get, you know, after the summer months, get rolling normally uh, here in the fall and get our season started on time. For sure. All right. Good luck to you. Thank you.